give away cash we don't give away new cars vacations to las vegas or cruises to alaska we deal in a commodity that's much more valuable we deal in the truth and we give it away in bulk without strings without terms and conditions and at no cost to you and how do we do it we make it up in volume we're tnn the truth news network and your host is dan newman Did you know there are really bad people in the world and that some of them are politicians and some of those politicians, they just like to hide stuff from us? Did you know that? Who told you about that? (laughs) Oh, you got to chuckle, folks. We are chocked full of stuff today, and I mean stuff. This is, of course, Tuesday. What does that mean? Steve Baker from Washington, D.C. or North Carolina. He's going to join us in our second hour. And so what you're going to do for the next two or three minutes is you're going to pat your foot, probably clap your hands a little bit, and you're going to sing about a car wash. Remember this song?
tell you a funny story, quick story about that song. That that was Rolls Royce. That's kind of a takeoff, the name is, on the car, the Rolls Royce. And when it came out, I was in college. I'll never forget, Louisiana Tech University was, and still is, right on Interstate 20 at Lincoln Parish, Louisiana. I-20 is, that's the big east-west kind of thing that's in between I-30 and 40 and I-10. So, a lot of traffic going back and forth east and west along I-20. And one day, this song was number one in the nation, Car Wash by Rose Royce. I happened to be on the interstate going from one exit to the next in Ruston, and a bus pulled by. And it was the travel bus for Rose Royce. They were on the bus. I got so excited. I actually thought about following the bus to see where they were going. You remember back then when Top 40 music was just catchy? Everybody, you could hear and understand the words, and they had rhythm, and it wasn't political. It was just good music. You know what? Every generation, when they grow old, every generation, they look at the next generation and make fun of their music. It's been that way Since I've been around, I remember when I was first cognizant of music, about 1960. And my mom and dad would play that stuff from the 40s and the early 50s. And I thought, oh my gosh, how could they like that music? And then I grew up, and we went through the 60s and the early 70s, and we got married in the middle 70s and had kids. And our kids grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And they looked at us and said, Oh my gosh, how can mom and dad like that music? And I've told you our girls call my number one style of music, which is smooth jazz. They call it dad's elevator music. All of that, that little story I just told you, it has nothing to do with the show today. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Sometimes you've got to reminisce and sometimes you got to smile. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to start the show. Speaking of smiling, a good friend of mine, one of the co-founders of Bowflex, I won't tell you his name, but yesterday, you don't know this, but I was called in to be considered for a jury, a member on a jury. Didn't know what kind of trial it was going to be, but just knew I had to go by law. So... I go down there, and they put us in a room. There were 28 of us in the room, and they had to pick 14. And I get in the room, and I find out the judge starts instructing us. It's a second-degree murder case. I remember the story. It was murder that happened a couple of years ago on Interstate 220 in Shreveport, a shooting. And it was an African-American young man, and boy, my heart sunk. I just thought, you know what? And let me tell you why my heart sunk. Second-degree murder in Louisiana might as well be first-degree murder. It can only have one sentence. If you're convicted of second-degree murder in Louisiana, and I did not know this until the judge told us, the sentence is this, life imprisonment with no parole, no probation, and no pardons. 
So in other words, if that African-American young man that was sitting there with his attorneys, if he is convicted, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. That's a stark thing to be confronted with. And I sat there, and when they picked, they started picking the jurors. And the way they do it is they put 14 of us up there first. I told you there were 28 of us. And the prosecutor and then the defense attorney each took turns asking each of us questions, all kind of questions, pontificating about the law. Three hours we sat there fielding these questions individually and collectively. And when they sent us out of the room, the 14 of us, called us back in a little bit later, and they announced who was going to stay for the jury pool. I was the first one that was called out to stay. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be, first of all, I think about the show and the problems that it would be for us. We would have made it work somehow. But so we go ahead and leave. And the way it works is they'll call you if there's something that comes up. But we were told to be back unless we heard from them at 9 o'clock sharp this morning. They were going to start the trial. Well, lo and behold, I get a phone call yesterday late. And it was from the the bailiff. And he said, Mr. Newman, this is so-and-so. Just wanted to tell you in the second go-round with the other 14 people, you got cut. And a part of me said, thank you, God. And the other part of me said, I just can't imagine how that young man feels. It's one of those things that we always know bad things happen. And if, if, if even if that young man's guilty of that crime, I can only imagine what was going on in his life. I don't even know any of the circumstances of the crime. It was from a moving car shooting someone else in a moving car on the interstate at night. So you can only imagine the circumstances that resulted in that young man pulling the trigger and then the young man in the other car getting shot and dying. Who lives in that world, especially in Louisiana, Those kind of things don't happen here. Those are Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia things. But there's evil everywhere. Everywhere. What we've got to do, we as nothing more than Americans, I'm not talking about Christian, Jew, Muslim, I'm talking, I'm black, white, I'm talking about Americans We have got to take control of our nation or we're going to lose it. And there is now, more than ever, no question about that, actually us being in the process of losing this country. Who are we going to lose it to? I used to think it would be someplace like Russia coming in here and invading us, or now the scary thing is China is becoming so powerful and our country's leaders are becoming so feckless that might be China. I don't think either of those or any other foreign foe are going to be the ones that lead us to destruction. I think it's going to be us. Not me. Certainly, I'm sure not you. But American people and people that have been allowed to come into our country 
many of those illegally, many of those criminal past, many of those far more than I even want to consider are here for an express purpose of helping this nation implode, destroy itself. If we put that thought process in context, yeah, it's a scary thing to deal with or think about, but it's real. And if we don't go down that road, we're on the road. We've already started down that road. If we choose to stop going down that road and as a nation pull together, somehow turn away from the infighting, the hatred, the anger, the vitriol, and stop looking at everybody else and blaming everybody else for everything. If we don't do those things, the United States of America is doomed. And so here I sit today, and just before we went on the air, I I played that song, Car Wash, because I needed something upbeat, something I could laugh about just for a few minutes, because we're in trouble as a nation. We are. We have feckless leadership at almost every level. We'll get into some of that in just a few minutes. And just when you think it can't possibly get worse, it gets worse. How far down that road is our government going to take us before they wake up? I think they're wide awake. And this is the scary part. There's no question in my mind that the path we're on and the steps that are being taken in our government are purposeful. They're planned out. And those that want to lead us to destruction, they're clapping their hands and singing because of their success every night when the day ends. You and I, we all grew up in the freest country on the planet with the most opportunity for anybody and everybody. Yeah, we've got our problems. We have elements of people in our society that feel they are infringed, that they're not equal with others. And I understand it. I know the differences between people, types of people, skin color, ethnicities, religions, political leanings. I understand that. In a few weeks, I'm going to be 70 years old. I have close friends from college that will not even talk to me on the phone anymore. They block me on their Facebook pages. You know why? When we have differences with people, what we were taught as kids, what I was taught as a a little boy and a teenager, was if you have a difference with somebody, you go to them and say, hey, I need to talk to you. There's something going on between us. I don't want that to be the case. What's going on? What can I do to make whatever it is right? Instead of standing around and looking across at the person that you have the issue with and then you start fomenting hate and anger because of what they did. And in many cases, they don't even know they did it to you. And in today's society, we don't do those things 
We're not teaching our children to do those things. They're not teaching their children's. Now we find out, hey, if you don't like what I say, you have your truth and I'll have mine. You go your way, I'll go my way. Don't you dare attack my way. That's the environment that we now live in. Does that bother you at all? And wait a minute, don't try to tell me. (laughs) Don't try to tell me that that's not what's going on. I'm an old man now. I'm qualified and I see it. And I'm one of the few that have the guts to stand up and say, it's here. It's taking over our nation. And somebody's got to do something about it. Who is it that can do anything about anything in this country? You know, there are those of us that we've been taught now You can't say anything or do anything without the government first getting out there and leading the way or at least telling us what to do. The law, the law, the Constitution, the rule of law, it doesn't matter to government at any level now in almost every case. I'm watching our U.S. Department of Justice reshape the justice system, and you know in the context of what it's happening in, the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden family syndicate, Falderall, that's all around us. And there's news out this morning that implicates the Department of Justice purposefully getting into the middle of the Hunter Biden investigation over the past years and manipulating circumstances and threatening people, threatening people, I mean threatening people, to get them to not tell the truth about all of the obvious things that we are finding out evidentially. Hard, cold evidence of wrongdoing. And the number one law enforcement person in the United States, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, he has been caught lying under oath to the Congress. Nobody's doing anything. And here's our excuse. Well, you know, he can be impeached. How do you impeach him? It has to start in the House of Representatives. Well, there are more Republicans in the House than there are Democrats. Not a big margin. But there probably are enough votes in the House of Representatives, enough Republicans especially, that have watched Merrick Garland and what he's done. They would vote to impeach him. Why haven't they done that? Mike Johnson, congressman, my congressman, I've had him on the show about this thing. And he told you and I when I asked him, Are we going to impeach Merrick Garland? Can we impeach Joe Biden? And he, he told us this the last time he was here on the show a couple of weeks ago. He said, yeah, we could do it in the House. But then the Senate has the arbitrary right to take the impeachment articles up. If we, if we voted articles, they have to go to the Senate. The Senate makes the decision to either try the guilty party or the alleged guilty party in a Senate trial 
an impeachment trial. And that will never happen in this United States Senate. They will not take up impeachment on Merrick Garland, will certainly not take up impeachment of President Joe Biden. And then Mike Johnson said something that we all understand. Dan, if Joe Biden is gone for any reason, who would be our president? The vice president, Kamala Harris. Now, which is worse, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris? That's the country that you and I are living in, that our kids and our grandkids are living in. And they, the most innocent among us, they don't even know what the problems are. They're kids. And there's a whole nother section of life in this United States that nobody wants to talk about. And it's our kids and what's going on in the lives of our kids. Did you read the story as I asked you to yesterday on the front page of truthnewsnet.org? We talked about it on the air. And I told everybody, in fact, I, I wrote on the front of the, uh, the story, I put an editorial, I guess two paragraph comments in there saying, I prayed about publishing th- this story for weeks because it is, it's horrible. It's truthful, but it's horrible. And it exposes, literally exposes, if you haven't read that story, go back and read it. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was yesterday's title story. And it was about transgender surgery and the vivid, horrible details of what takes place. It is incorrigible the whole process, and yet today, millions of people in positions of authority and power, government, our education system, social giants, politicians, are all out there waving the banner, promoting transgenderism, and promoting it for our five, six, seven, eight-year-old children. And they want us to believe, they don't even care if we believe it. They demand that we accept that way of life is okay. Hey, you wake up today and you're a boy biologically, seven, eight years old, and all of a sudden you kind of like those Barbie dolls. You don't like to play war with your friends and your brother anymore. You want to play tea party and get Barbie dolls. So what are these adults? They automatically think now, ho, 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 this little boy doesn't feel like he's a boy. He feels like he's a girl trapped in a boy's body. We've got to help him get to be whoever he identifies as. And oh, by the way, after Dr. Fauci taught us this throughout the pandemic, we've got to do this. We've got to follow the science. And they'll put up a line of shrinks from their own transgender ilk way of thinking and call them scientists and experts and go do all the talk shows, CNN, MSNBC, 
even ABC News, NBC News, and CBS News. They'll write editorials in the New York Times, the Washington Post, to normalize transgender transition. Oh my gosh, the drugs altering our kids' bodies medically. And then, of course, the big kahuna, the irreversible sex change operation, which isn't sex change operation. It's mutilation. You cut off their organs. You implant breast in these kids and let them think that's normal. When only 16% of those who go down that road, only 16%, and that's just the only poll that I've been able to find. And you know why it's the only poll I can be able to find? Because nobody wants to come out and be honest about it yet. Although we've given you stories here of people that have had sex change surgery that are trying to reverse it now, and it's virtually impossible to do. Reality is a whole lot different from what we're seeing play out today in many, many ways. Reality really isn't different than what's playing out. It's people don't want to accept the reality. They want to create a, um, a parallel ideology that is justified because of why? Well, I feel that way, and if I feel that way, that's the way it is. I didn't mean to go off in this this morning, but there's somebody that's listening that needs to hear that. Whoever you are, if you're looking for answers, I can point you to some experts, true experts, objective experts. If you want that, if you've got somebody in your family that wants it, drop me a text, uh, drop me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Now, you don't have to tell me anything other than, hey, I need to contact somebody that can talk to somebody in my family about that. Answer questions. Point them to some other experts if they're necessary. But start down the road of getting factual information. We should be doing those kinds of things every day for people in our lives. But what we do, oh, I don't want to get involved. If I get involved, I'm really involved and I could be held liable for something I said. Really. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry, of the United States. Sorry, let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President <laughs> So, uh, what are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. 
No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. So let me give you an idea about this overreaching big government we have. You know, a couple of days ago, we played a very lengthy statement of audio bite with a guy named Gal, G-A-L, Luft, L-U-F-T. You remember that? He actually put that video together. It was a YouTube video that we converted to audio for you for this show. And he explained why he is in trouble with our government, with our authorities, because he was a whistleblower. Early on, way before we knew anything about the Hunter Biden stuff, he went to the Department of Justice and he gave them buttloads full of information and evidence of what had been going on in the Biden family and their illegal financial connections with the Chinese, with the Ukrainians, with the Romanians, names, numbers, evidence that proved it all. And they arrested him, or they put out an arrest warrant for him. He fled the country. Dual citizenship, Israel and U.S. for him. Lifelong pro-American worked to help all kinds of causes and companies and individuals get things done in different continents, but sold out to America. And the reason he, this past weekend, prepared that video was he knew something was up because our Department of Justice is after him. And so we find out yesterday the DOJ formally indicted Gal Luft for FARA, F-A-R-A, violations. What is that? If you do work for a foreign government and you lobby or do work in the United States on behalf of a foreign government, you have to register with the State Department as an agent of a foreign government. They indicted Gal Luft for not filing FARA as required. Now, can you think of anybody else that that could fall under very quickly and very easily? Oh, somebody that uh, I think we hear about every once in a while, Hunter Biden. He worked on behalf of the Chinese government. He worked on behalf of the Ukrainian government. And he lobbied people in the United States. He lobbied government officials for specific causes for these foreign people, businesses, oh, but for foreign governments. <laughs> he introduced ambassadors China, had them come to the United States, go to dinner with him and his dad. And they have audio proof and evidence of what Hunter did. But he's Joe Biden's son. He's the number two guy in the Biden family syndicate. He's above the law. 
The DOJ indicted Luft, who is a whistleblower. Now, what does that mean? If you're a whistleblower, you go to the United States and you have something specific that can be verified that you want to reveal to the authorities. Legally, nobody can do anything against you for that. And so what Merrick Garland's DOG, FBI, what they are saying now is, well, we're indicting Mr. Luft, not because he's a whistleblower and he brought forward all this information, evidence about the Biden family scandals, but he, he's a bad guy too. He's been working for foreign governments and doing things in the United States on behalf of foreign governments, and he didn't file his FARA documents. Lift today is on the run abroad from charges of arms trafficking. And if you heard the soundbite that we played from him, it's about 12 or 13 minutes long in detail. He said, there is no evidence of it. He said, I've never sold a gun to anybody or any kind of armament or anything. He says he met with the FBI about corruption involving Joe and Hunter, but the FBI never even followed up. Luft today is being sought and has been by Republicans on the House Oversight Committee to witness, to be a witness and give testimony in Congress. This is the guy, Gal Luft, that we've told is the unnamed whistleblower that everybody wants to talk to. He's had to flee the United States because Joe Biden's Department of Justice is after him. And they warned him and told him, we're going to get you. He alleges his testimony to the committee would show the Biden family got money from CEFC China Energy Company. That, by the way, is an entity that is linked to the Communist Chinese Party. And we all know in China, there's no private corporation. Everything is linked to and operated or demanded how to operate by the Communist Chinese government. Hunter ripped that entity. Chinese government-owned. Luft also claims that Biden's had a mole inside the FBI who gave information to the benefit of the family business. Luft, in that video, he claims he's a fall guy, said he gave the incriminating evidence of Biden family wrongdoing to the FBI and the Department of Justice in a meeting in Brussels. It was a secret meeting that Luft asked for in Brussels, Belgium. He knew the FBI was after him. They wanted to shut him up. U.S. authorities covered up the meeting after the fact. They didn't even want to admit it. They were burying everything. And hey, how do we make this go away? We either, one, scare him to death and make him go into a deep, dark hole and disappear, or we arrest him for something. Hey, why don't we charge him with a FARA? violation. That video we played came in a meeting with the New York Post and Left was indicted just days later. He's a dual citizen of the U.S. and Iran. I said Israel, but it's Iran. He's accused of working with others to advance the people's interest of China 
without registering as a foreign agent. Kind of like, you know, if it's true that he did that, we don't even know if he did it. But we do know Hunter Biden did it again and again and again and again. So according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, we know a little bit about them. The 57-year-old Luft agreed to recruit and pay a high-ranking U.S. official. In 2016, they say, he conspired with the official, who was an advisor to then-president-elect Donald Trump, to support policies related to China. As alleged, Gao Luft, dual U.S., and it is, it's not Iran. The story that I'm looking at, it said above that he was a dual citizen of the U.S. and Iran. I was right the first time. He's a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. He's the co-head of a Maryland think tank engaged in multiple serious criminal schemes, we're told. That's by U.S. Attorney Damian Williams. Williams further said about Luft, quote, he subverted foreign agent registration laws in the U.S., to seek to promote Chinese policies by acting through a former high-ranking U.S. government official. He acted as a broker in deals for dangerous weapons and Iranian oil, and he told multiple lies about his crimes to law enforcement. He faces those foreign charges. Critics note that Hunter has never been charged with the same, despite very publicly, without hiding it, out in the open. Hunter acted as a representative for foreign companies and officials multiple times, multiple companies. FARA charges were omitted from his recently announced plea bargain. How about that? Under which Hunter will plead guilty to misdemeanor tax violations and Hunter will be allowed to avoid a felony conviction for an admitted gun violation. If approved, On those charges, the deal that he cut, he will likely avoid prison time. Now put that in the context of what we now know about Gal Luft and what he's facing. You don't think we have a two-tier justice system? Oh my gosh. There is no question we do. There's no question we do. Well, what else is going on? We've got some new facts out there about the Biden family syndicate. And uh, I don't need to tell you, it's some more disturbing news. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer says that he will announce disturbing findings about President Biden's role in his family's business deals. He's expecting to make that announcement this week. FBI Director Christopher Wray will also be appearing before the House Judiciary Committee under oath on Wednesday. Florida Governor and 2024 presidential candidate Ron DeSantis joined me on Sunday Morning Futures yesterday saying that Wray must be fired. We will end the weaponization of government. And that's, of course, a new FBI director on day one. That's a difference between me and Donald Trump. He says the jury's still out on FBI Director Ray. I look back at like the Hunter Biden censorship, which was a huge, huge deal to happen in the 2020 election. Uh, And yet, you know, those were Donald Trump's own agencies that were colluding with big tech. I would never allow that to happen. I would fire those people uh, immediately. Joining me right now is Virginia Congressman Ben Klein, a member of the House Judiciary Budget and Appropriations Committees. Congressman, good to see you. Your reaction to the governor? 
Uh, you know, I, I think he's on point when he says that uh, Christopher Wray uh, was in charge and overseeing the FBI when they engaged in these FISA abuses. Uh, all of the problems with the religious freedom we're seeing investigating Catholics in Richmond, investigating parents in Northern Virginia. He's got a lot to answer for. We're looking forward to having him in front of us to answer those questions this week. And uh, if it's determined at that point he needs to go, uh, then we will look at ways to uh, zero out his salary or take some other measures to make sure that he is gone. Well, I mean, look, we look at the unfairness. We've got the numbers now from the Department of Justice in terms of what all of these special prosecutors are spending and the resources that they have. They have been spending millions and millions on the Trump investigation. And uh, you've got one million on their probe of President Biden's documents. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is requesting the director of the Secret Service now to brief Congress on the cocaine found at the White House near the Situation Room. The DOJ still has not announced uh, whose drugs these this cocaine belong to. Congressman, what's your take here? It's absurd. You know, the White House is supposed to be the most secure building on Earth. It's supposed to have cameras everywhere. Even if it's a well-trafficked area, you can narrow that down quite a bit. You know, this is, is not rocket science. It's, it's not even CSI. It's just look at the tapes. And they know whose uh, drugs those were. They probably dusted for fingerprints within the first three minutes of having the bag. So tell us whose fingerprints are on the bag. There's a lot of information that Congress wants to know. So uh, we're anxious to get to the bottom of that as well. Yeah, but I want to ask you about the unfairness and the difference in, in, in resources here, because Here's what we've got in terms of special counsel comparison, the cost comparison. Jack Smith, the Trump classified documents uh, investigation. Jack Smith has spent five and a half million dollars. And this is just in a few months. Uh, it's ongoing. Uh, that compares to Robert Herr, who is uh, looking at Biden's classified documents. He spent six hundred and sixteen thousand dollars. So there's obviously much lower resources being allocated to investigate Biden. You compare that to John Durham's Russia Trump uh, investigation, 7.7 .7 million. That's closed. Robert Mueller inve uh, investigating Trump in Russia, 32 million dollars. How do you how do you square this away with all of with, with these resources uh, piling up against conservatives and uh, not as much uh, looking at uh, what we're seeing on the Biden side? Oh, you can't square it. And the Appropriations Committee on which I serve, uh, I serve on the Appropriations Subcommittee over the Department of Justice, over the FBI. You're going to see a conservative bill come out of appropriations that's going to target these agencies for savings, that's going to make sure that they can't weaponize these branches of government any longer to, to target conservatives, to target free speech, uh, to collude with government. You know, the courts are on our side. So we're going to continue to push these uh, uh, changes in appropriations that are necessary to be proper stewards of the taxpayers' money. And that's what we're uh, directed to be, and we haven't been for a long time. There's so much more to that story. And they brought up a good thing that, I want to weigh in on for you. And it is that cocaine issue in the White House. I don't care who it is. I really don't. Nobody can credibly convince me that there's no way to find out who brought that cocaine into the White House. In just a second, I'm going to let you listen to from Sean Hannity last night. Kaylee McEnany was on with Sean Hannity and discussed from a point of knowledge, what 
should have happened, what can happen in the effort to find out where that cocaine came from. And everybody's been saying, I'll tell you this before we uh, move forward, uh, everybody's saying, and I've heard it from a dozen lawmakers, there are cameras everywhere, cameras everywhere. It's a White House, cameras everywhere. There are no cameras in the West Wing. But they know who was in the West Wing every minute of the day. Why haven't we gotten to the bottom of this? And you know the obvious question. You know the obvious answer. The reason we haven't is because it is likely, it is likely that it was somebody with the last name Biden. Last night on Sean Hannity. Take a listen. Uh, All right. Let me start with the cocaine issue. You were both in the White House. There's certain areas of the White House, and I saw you both in the White House. I had the honor, you know, occasionally an administration will make a big mistake and they'll allow me in the building once or twice. Uh, But I was there under President Bush and President Trump. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kaylee, but there are a lot of areas in that White House. I did not have free reign as a guest in that house to just walk anywhere I pleased without being watched by a lot of people. There were certain rooms I was not able to walk into without people with proper credentials escorting me in that room. So how did that happen? And wouldn't they be able to quickly determine who brought that cocaine in that White House? So that is definitely the case. You could narrow down based on the area. So oftentimes in the Trump administration, we would send sit members of the press who are meeting with the president in the press room. So if it's found in the press room, you'd think, okay, maybe the press who has access to this room. It wasn't found there. You can rule out the press. Um, But then you have a series of deductive reasoning. At first, we're told it was in the library under the residence. All right, tourists walk through there. Then all of a sudden, the story changed. Now it's in the cubby holes right when you walk into the West Executive entrance. Now, staff brings their guests right through there. The, The staff guests are primarily who use that. But then all of a sudden, Sean, the story changes once more. Why does it keep changing? Now it's near the Situation Room, an area that only staff would have access to. So I would say at this point, it would have to be a staff member if that reporting is true. There are no cameras inside the West Wing, so that makes it much more difficult. But sit down every staff member. This was on a Sunday. uh, Very light foot traffic. Sit down every staff member who had access to that area and try to figure it out. And I I assume that is exactly what the Secret Service is doing right now. Well, I would say it's such a security breach. God forbid, what if it had fentanyl in it, Ari Fleischer? that I would imagine that it would be proper protocol to drug test anybody and everybody that might have had access to that room. And drug testing that is currently available would allow people to give a hair sample. And we'd know pretty darn quickly whether or not they've been using cocaine or not. Yeah, and the terms for working for the president is you can be drug tested at any time. And so they have the right to do that. And no staffer can or should refuse it. If they refuse it, I think you know what we've got. The only other possibility, of course, is whether or not it's a guest who was brought in by by White House staff, invited by the Biden administration officials. That's not uncommon, especially on weekends for the senior staff or staff with sufficient clearance in the West Wing to escort guests, family members, close friends, to give them that rare privileged West Wing tour. And somebody could have, as they put their phone in that cubby, realized, holy cow, look what I got in my pocket. And they shoved that in the cubby, too. 
So I think that's all what the Secret Service is looking for. But I do want to tell your audience something Kaylee just said, reiterate it. There are no cameras. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people saying on TV, there's cameras everywhere. This should be easy. Uh, the, re the Secret Service just wants all their agents to be vigilant on their toes. They don't have cameras in the West Wing. I'm not a wagering guy. But if I was, I would borrow money to bet. And I'm going to tell you why I would bet. I would bet every bit of money I could borrow that they know, they know, they knew immediately whose cocaine it was. And it's a family member or a high-level staffer. Okay, how do you know that, Dan? Have you heard anybody in the Biden administration, top to bottom, address this? Address it with real information. We understand the Secret Service is working on it. What we're doing is eliminating the possibilities. And when we find out who the culprit was, we will immediately call a press conference and let the American people know who brought cocaine into their house. The White House, it belongs to the American people. They haven't done that. Why haven't they done that? You know why. They know who did it. And they don't want any of us to find out who did it. So what do you do in D.C. if you're in power? Especially if you're a Democrat, you just deflect and put out more stuff talk about all kinds of real controversies besides that particular one, and sooner or later, it goes away. That's the way of getting around effectively, successfully, the rule of law, if you're a Democrat in the White House. With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24-7 roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the... I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the Big Hot Pastrami Sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. 
Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Hey, don't forget Tuesday, second hour, Steve Baker will be with us. We're about 10 minutes away from Steve joining us. It sure is good to have him on our side. I would not want him to be investigating, looking into stuff to get after me. He is one top investigative journalist in my book. Anyway, he'll be with us. Not even sure what he's going to bring to us today, but I know There's a lot of stuff under investigation. I want to talk to you briefly about the latest update on that movie, blockbuster movie, Sound of Freedom. It's topped $40 million at the box office, and it beat the per-screen average of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So at the close of business on Sunday, just a couple of days ago, after only six days in theaters, Sound of Freedom has grossed $40.2 million. Over the weekend, it averaged $6,388 per screen, which topped Dial of Destiny's per screen average of $5,760. Currently, the Disney Grooming Syndicate's Dial of Destiny is playing in 4,600 theaters compared to just 2,852 for Sound of Freedom. Dial of Destiny might have come in second place with the weekend's gross box office haul of $26.5 million. Sound of Freeman might have come in third place with $18.2 million. But Sound of Freedom is doing a better job of packing people in. Also, unlike Disney's Dial of Destiny, which is on track to lose tens, if not hundreds of millions, Sound of Freedom is already making money. Budgeted at just $14.5 million, Sound of Freedom started making millions the moment it crossed $25 to $30 million. And it's just getting started. With an A-plus cinema score and the corporate media's desperate and insulting attacks, word of mouth is all set up to be phenomenal. Sound of Freedom will also clean up on home media. Listen to this. Give you some comparisons. Sound of Freedom has already grossed more domestically than these 2023 Best Picture nominees. Women Talking, $6 million domestic, $7 million worldwide. Tar, which is a good movie, by the way, $6 million domestic, $20 million worldwide. Triangle of Sadness, $4 million domestic, $24 million worldwide. The Fablemans, $17 million domestic, $37 million worldwide. The Banshees of Inishirin, $10 million domestic, $46 million worldwide. Except for Banshees, in just six days, Sound of Freedom made more than five of those films 
beat them worldwide. All the Oscar, festival, and media hype led to nothing more than failure. People weren't even interested. Sound of Freedom's secret sauce, that used to be Hollywood's expected sauce. What is that? Here's the way they work it. Make a movie about an issue people care about. Little caring thing, you know, child sex trafficking. Second, give the movie a dramatic theme. Uh, Christianity that appeals to a very broad audience, regardless of what Washington, D.C., New York City, Los Angeles, and Hollywood think. And then entertain and don't preach or scold. Disney, they've emasculated Indiana Jones and will lose up to a couple of hundred million dollars on the new Indiana Jones. No one other than the child groomers at Disney wanted to see Indiana Jones emasculated. Plenty of people want to see good people rescue kids from evil people. Sure, more people went to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, but Disney's going to lose a fortune because it didn't give Indiana Jones fans what they wanted. The people behind Sound of Freedom, they're going to get justifiably wealthy because they delivered what their target audience wants. That's how the real world works. You want to make some money? You want to get other people involved to make you money? Give them what they want. Don't try to shove ideology down people's throats and expect them to pay you for doing it. But Disney and Hollywood in general are too addicted to their snobby bigotry and deviant sexual fetishes to give the public what it wants. And that's okay with me. Uh, Watching Disney fail is a lot more entertaining than dealing with their lousy movies. Now, what's Hollywood? What are the experts? What are the so-called enlightened people? You know who we're talking about, the talk shows, The View, all those people. What are they saying? (laughs) Well, the usual woke Nazis at places like CNN, The Washington Post, The Guardian... They're all pretending to be angry and indignant over Sound of Freedom's problematicness. (laughs) But the truth is the exact opposite. For all kinds of reasons, the ongoing success of Sound of Freedom angers. But more than anger, it terrifies them. And it should. Let me let you listen. Just to, uh, I'll just list the fake media's desperate, dumb, and flailing smears. Starting with uh, CNN, a far left propaganda outlet that spreads conspiracy theories and violence. Sound of Freedom star Jim Caviezel embraces QAnon. Now, this is all according to CNN. Sound of Freedom spreads QAnon beliefs about sex trafficking. Sound of Freedom was created out of a moral panic bogus statistics, and fear. That's CNN. How about the Washington Post? A far-left propaganda outlet that slanders teenage Christians, defends movies that sexualize and exploit little girls, and they defend child mutilation. What did they say? 
Sound of Freedom star Jim Caviezel embraces QAnon. Sound of Freedom is not based on a true story, which it is, by the way. (laughs) The real-life organization Sound of Freedom is based on Operation Rescue, was investigated by the government for fraud, witness tampering, and retaliation. None of that is true. And then there's the far-left guardian, a far-left propaganda outlet that defends child exploitation and child mutilation. They said, Sound of Freedom star Caviezel embraces QAnon. Sound of Freedom star Jim Caviezel appeared on Steve Bannon's war room. Oh my gosh. And on and on, the woke Reich, like the Third Reich, goes sharing all the same talking points, which I'm sure some sort of coincidence has nothing to do with centralized coordination. Because to believe the media are coordinating, would uh, it would make me QAnon adjacent or something else. <laughs> Don't you love it? (laughs) When you turn the light on in the dark of night, when you turn the light on in the kitchen, you walk into the kitchen and you turn the light on, you knew all along the roaches are around, but you couldn't see them until you turn the light on and then they show up. (laughs) I think that's what we're seeing today, folks. We uh, We are seeing... The roaches scrambling in the kitchen, trying to get away from us. Oh my gosh! Steve Baker is joining us now. You're live from, oh, I don't know what part of the country, Steve. I'm in North Carolina right now. Good morning. Well, I thought you were going to be working this week. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I finally took a break on. Was it Sunday? evening or it may have been both Saturday and Sunday evenings. And I, I caught up on my viewing of the uh, Jack Ryan series on Amazon. That's a, that's an incredible, that's an incredible series. Yeah. I finished up season three, uh, binged that and I just started uh, season four last night. I, um, I, I will factually, if I was a betting man, I would say that in all of that, somewhere in it is uh, at least one cigar. <laughs> I, I, I think I actually sent you a photo of me you did, you sitting did. on my porch yeah. watching Jack Ryan with a Cuban Monte Cristo number two. Yes, that's you, you, Cuban, you said? Don't I you did. know that's illegal? Trade. That's illegal. Yeah, that's true. Trading with the Enemy Act. You know, I got inspired watching, you know, Jack Ryan running around the world fighting commie spies. I don't know if you've listened, been able to listen to any of the show this morning, but uh, we just we just got through talking about Sound of Sound of Freedom. Have you seen it yet? No, as a matter of fact, me and a a good buddy of mine were going to go see it on Sunday uh, evening, and on Sunday every theater was sold out here locally. Well, in Shreveport, there were two theaters. Tomorrow's the last day. Uh, Mary Ann tr- started last week trying to get us, you know, that's only reserved seating. And, you know, we they, some really big theaters. And uh, mm-hmm. we couldn't get in until Saturday night late. There were two seats mm-hmm. left that weren't the ones, you know, right down in front of the screen where you have to break your neck to look up at Right, it. right. 
Um, and the place was packed. It was packed. I, 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 what I just talked about was telling people all of the quote-unquote experts, you know, people like uh, the women on The View. And did I just break a rule when I said the women on The View? <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> each of them identify as. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, they're going to come after me. Um, That's right. The left are just imploding because, and they're 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 just lying through their teeth. I blew somebody away, and if I told you who it was, it's somebody that we both know. That is a hardcore lefty on the phone, and <laughs> we got to talking about Sound of Freedom, and he ta- yeah he just went into the you know it's this QAnon crap. It's, it's the same old stuff. It's not real. And I told him, I said, look, if you want to convince me of that, and we've been friends for a long time, I said, if you want to convince me of that, answer one question that I'm about to ask you truthfully. Give me a real legitimate answer. And maybe I'll consider taking your view or at least examining your view. And he said, what's that? What happened to the 85,000-plus children that we know came into the United States across our southern border, unaccompanied minors, that we know the Biden administration's Homeland Security placed with NGOs like Catholic Charities and many other for those kids to be put in great homes, going great places, and we as a government, we were going to take care of them. And 85,000 of them, we don't know where they are. Where are those 85,000 kids? And it was just deathly quiet. And he said, you don't think they're trafficked somewhere? And I said, uh, I'm waiting for another answer from you, and I never got it. It, and, And you can't laugh about that kind of stuff. When you see it, Steve, let me just say this. Take a hanky. Um, Wow. It is factual, and yesterday I saw an interview with the actual guy uh, that worked for Homeland Security, by the way, in this investigation, That and it is unbelievable what's going on around us in the United States. It's really not. I mean, we're, we're no, I'm no longer numb to it, and I know you aren't either, and we can't accept it in our spirits. We can't accept it, but recognizing it's real that was a really tough step for me. And I've always been an investigator. I've always been the one that questions everything. But even people like that, that think that way, they want to give others, at least in the beginning, the benefit of the doubt. I don't give our government in Washington, D.C., and almost everybody that's in it. And I don't obviously know everybody, but you and I, we... we we investigate them, we get information, we talk to people. You more than me, and you know more than I do. But I'm at this point now. If you're in the federal government and you want to convince me of something, I don't care if it's just something you would normally say and expect and everybody around you normally would just take for granted it's factual. You know what you're talking about. I'm at this point. You want me to believe something? Prove it to me. My default position now is you're lying, you're cheating, and you're breaking the law. Now, if you don't fall into any one or all of those categories, prove it to me. 
And this is the United States government, the people's house, and the state's U.S. Senate. We can't trust the majority of the people that we're paying billions of dollars to to represent us in D.C. anymore. Well, you know that I don't have to see a movie to know that this trafficking issue is large and much larger than we can imagine because you probably remember last year I actually accidentally stumbled into a child trafficking story that I spent quite a bit of time in Houston last year working on. And as a result of that, one of my uh, referrals in terms of prepping myself and learning what I'd gotten myself in the middle of was I interviewed the nation's leading expert on human trafficking trauma. Uh, and of course, he's right there in the hub of the, the the hotbed of it all, which is Houston. Houston is the the the, uh, the hub of human trafficking in the United States. And during that interview with him, which lasted probably uh, over two hours between the two times that I I sat down with him, he began the process of telling me. Oh, when I say he's the the expert, this twenty years in the FBI as their human trafficking expert. Um, and then he has consulted with over 150 other law enforcement agencies around the country during that term. And so he not only explained to me the process of how the cartels move, and, and it's it's unbelievable. These, these cartel leaders are like CEOs of multinational corporations. I mean, they're, they're the they're the criminal equivalent of you know the uh, uh, the biggest companies in America are in the world, and they move their product in ways that are it's just absolutely uh, fascinating, but it's, it's incredible, the evil depths that they will go to, to move these children around the world and how they do it and how they tag them and how they, they, they have, they, they literally have markers that they put on these children. And when, and then those markers change uh, as they're, as they move through the quote unquote supply line. And he told me most of those children are going to um, uh, illegal child labor. Of course, the second largest amount of them are going to sex trafficking. And then the most horrific part of those are once they are used up or they are needed along the route, they are used for organ harvesting. And that's, of course, obviously the most horrific part of it. And this is not just coming from uh, Mexico. It's not just coming from Central and South America. But these children are being sent to us and being transported by these organizations from all over the world and the single most difficult question to ask and have answered is who who are the buyers are there really that many buyers in america and unfortunately the answer is yes and this is why it's such an important issue and this is why this movie is is uh important and uh, i could go on and tell you more but uh, it would only require more graphic conversation than maybe we want to get into. That's why I'm positive that the left, the far left, are in unison. They're going after anybody that believes that the sound of freedom contains factual information and the depictions in the movie are real. QAnon was the number one thing. Anybody that's affiliated with sound of freedom is a QAnon conspiracy nut. Yeah. That's the go-to right. thing to blame conservatives with about everything. You're just a conspirator. Right. Right. Um, 
but facts. No, I, I, I get I get blamed I get blamed for that all the time, and I've never even ever one time during the existence of Q and I ever went to their so much as went to their website. Uh, I, I I I take those blows every day because I am pretty active on social media, and so I get those accusations every single day. But those, those are those are coming from people who don't have uh, the ability to argue a case so they you know it's 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 been racist uh we're nazis uh now we're queuing on depending upon what our topic du jour is but that's exactly their fallback position but i'll tell you what if i could do what was done for me and you could get in the front seat of a car or pickup truck in this case and actually ride shotgun with somebody doing investigations as a private investigator who's working a contract for the FBI and you ride around and you start looking for these children as I did in Houston, I will tell you right now that will change their perspective because I learned, well, I I never, I never dreamed it was big. I I certainly knew it existed, but I never uh, dreamed how massive and how complicated, how complex the human supply chain line was in that, um, in that industry. Well, Facts have become a, a situation in the United States where they don't matter anymore. It's all about no. what feels good, what what you want to do. You fly by the seat of your pants, and anybody that disagrees with you is just dead wrong, and they're evil because they disagree with you. That's where I got my, um, my opinion of our federal government. My default position now on anybody that wants to talk to me, convince me, come on this show, or even have a conversation off the air, just sit down and have a conversation with me. If they're a government official, prove to me that you're legitimate because most of them aren't. That is the scariest part of this conversation. The people that tell us they want to help us and work for us, they're the ones that are involved in all of this evil that we're discussing. Let's segue to the latest stuff on the Biden family syndicate issue. Were you listening when we (laughs) talked about Gal Luft, the guy that uh, was a whistleblower early on, went to the FBI, the Department of Justice, and gave them all kinds of evidence and proof that the Biden family, including Joe, were right in the middle of colluding and working with China and were getting paid millions of dollars at the behest of Biden Jr. Hunter was kind of like the middleman and he was rebuffed by the DOJ and then they told him. They met and interviewed him in Brussels, Belgium. He told the story on our show two days ago. Uh, What is today, Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. Okay, <laughs> I am I am lost in this week. Anyway, yeah, we played Gail Luft. He came forward and he told the story of how things happened. And he said, they're coming after me with false charges and they're going to indict me, which they did yesterday. And he's hiding mm-hmm. in Europe because he knows they want to make him go away because he's got even more factual information. He's the guy that Comer, the head of the oversight committee, Comer said, mm-hmm. we have a witness, a unnamed witness that we're trying to get before our committee 
that has a whistleblower that has uncontroverted, proven evidence. And that's the guy that they're trying to do. How could this happen in the greatest country on the planet, the United States, where the rule of law, it's gone. It's out the window. It doesn't matter who it is. We've got at least a two-tiered justice system, if not three or four. Oh. And I i don't know about you, but if there's four levels, I'm somewhere down in level four. Uh, I'm far yeah, away well, from the top. The, you and I are in the basement of level four. But the, <laughs> I guarantee you. you know, the, the, the sad... The sad commentary is, and, and when I say this, this is not an over-exaggeration or an overstatement. It's not hyperbole in, in the least, and that is, unfortunately, we have lost our Department of Justice, and that includes all of its uh, uh, various branches, including the FBI. They are corrupt to the core. You, you may I may have never actually told you this before, Dan, but the... Uh, um, the FBI whistleblowers, the, the two most prominent that have come out in the recent months, Steve Friend and Kyle Serafin, have a organization of, of whistleblowers that they they, they have uh, taken on the name. They call themselves the Suspendables. Uh, it's a you know it's a play on words both of uh, Hillary Clinton's deplorables and also the FBI old FBI show the Untouchables. They call they call their they call their uh, loose association the Suspendables, and they've made me an honorary member. <laughs> and so I, I'm I'm in I'm on their their list serve, and we talk every day and we share uh, stories and things that are going on in the world. And as a result of that, it is very, very clear how corrupt the department of justice has become. And the only thing we can do is to call them out and to continue to do so until this message somehow, some way begins to take root in the, the minds uh, of the American people to a, a large enough degree that we can, we can fight back. But that's, that's, that's what all of these cases that we're looking at stem from right now, whether it's the avoidance of bringing the, um, the Biden crime family syndicate to justice, whether it's the uh, inability, it seems, for them to determine who the bag of cocaine was in the White House, of course, which we know we know that's nonsense. In fact, in fact, the suspendables are laughing at that one uh, in its face because they know how easy it is with the skills of these investigators to determine exactly where that is, where it came from, and whose it is uh, very, very quickly. So they know. And then uh, the same thing is true, whether we're talking about the January 6th cases, whether we're talking about... Um, uh, you know, the, the going all the way back to Russia, Russia, Russia collusion stories, whether we're talking about the indictments that uh, Donald Trump is facing, all of these things are directly related to this corruption that has um, uh, metastasized inside our quote unquote Department of Justice. It is now a uh, the, the word justice in their title is nothing more than an Orwellian statement to the world. You know, black is white, up is down, uh, war is peace. Justice is not justice in this America that we're living in right now. And I will tell you, it doesn't matter where you're at in the um, – if, if you get sued today, and we're not even talking about the federal system. If you're sued in a local state court, you have no idea what you're up against because it has, as I said, metastasized so deeply into our justice system throughout that open and shut case cases of, of 
uh, wrongful suits are uh, are are being uh, awarded to people with no right whatsoever to an award because our system now is more of a communist system. They're looking at and they're built now on redistribution. They're using the courts as a redistribution mechanism, and that's you know that's what's happening. But I I, I still go back to the single most shocking and I think the single most dangerous thing that's happening in our justice system today is the attack on free speech. I think it's the number one threat against the American people, the, the number one domestic threat. And we had, a, we had another case, I don't know if you've seen this one, um, despite, the, the, despite the recent victories we've had in the Supreme Court and even in you know the, the Western District there of Louisiana, the federal court there, uh, and their ruling, but we had a we had a federal appeals court, uh, four, six, uh, the Fourth uh, Circuit, here just ruled against a professor at North Carolina State University, right here in the town where I live, and they ruled against them on a First Amendment um, violation basis, which basically said that because he was speaking out against the hiring practices of the university, but because they were lowering their standards for bringing in new professors, unqualified, rejecting much more highly qualified um, uh, candidates, but obviously lowering the standards for predominantly female and minority candidates. As a result of him just pointing that out, uh, it has been ruled that he was inherently racist, uh, that he was a tool of whiteness, um, and that... uh, they agreed with the university in punishing him for him just speaking to the um, inequity, <laughs> as it were, or the the um, uh, the lowering of the standards. So you can't even point that out anymore without uh, having the courts, and in this case, a federal court, strike down this guy's privilege to speak. Everything you've said is factual, and I'm sitting here listening to you. And you and I, Steve and I are friends in addition to being compadres in this venture we're doing. And uh, so we speak more than you would have probably imagined. And we're very like-minded. Politically, we're very close in the same place. And we, even though we do this, what you're hearing us today, Steve does it at another level. And I do things at another level. But we're engaged all the time in this. Even considering that, and especially considering that, Steve, what can the people that are listening to us right now, what can they do to make a difference? I mean, their parents, you're a parent, I'm a parent, many of us have grandchildren. And we're looking at the world around us and we're talking about factual things that are going on that are evil. You can't couch it any other way than evil being perpetrated against the American people by its own government. What can everyday people do to try to correct this? Or is there no way we can do anything? Dan, I know it sounds trite, and we say the same things over and over and over again. You have to call your congressman. You have to call your senator. And as I know we, we've heard that message for 
decades on whatever our uh, bugaboo was that we were fighting against, whether it was during the Carter administration or the Clinton or the Obama or the Bush administrations. It doesn't matter. They always say, call your congressman. And the fact of the matter is that does make an impact. It does. And now that we have social media, I will tell you, they do watch, especially on Twitter, every single congressman, congresswoman, congressperson, whatever we have to call them now, they have staff that are monitoring their Twitter accounts. They see the number of hits they get. They see the number of times that they're tagged in stories. It does have an impact. And more importantly than anything else, uh, and, and again, this sounds trite, it's cliche, but it's not. Daylight is the best disinfectant. We have to call these things out relentlessly, nonstop. We have to shout it from the rooftops and we can't be afraid. We can't be afraid. Everybody has to get in the game now. It's not enough to just be a um, an internet warrior, a keyboard warrior, a Twitter you know, warrior. You have to take this to the streets. We have to become bigger, larger, louder, more vocal than the opposition. And the opposition always gets more play because the mainstream media still dwarfs that which we have. I mean, we, we've got, you know, well, to the extent we still have um, some, some vestige of Fox News on our side, we've got the Daily Wire, we've got Blaze TV, we've got uh, other uh, pretty, pretty large uh, bullhorns and mouthpieces out there, but they are still dwarfed by the ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC uh, complex. And it's, it's impossible for us to avoid those voices. We see those and hear those voices every day, whether we want to or not. But unfortunately, the other side does not hear from Blaze and Daily Wire and Fox every single day. Uh, they don't have the penetration into the larger marketplace. So we have to pick up the, the slack. And we have to do it ourselves and we have to fight the fight and we have to be out there. We have to attend the meetings. We have to go to the school board uh, meetings. We have to go to uh, the, the town halls. We have to be there at the protest rallies. And that's what, of course, obviously, since January 6th, they're trying to scare us away from that. But we can't. We can't be frightened of that. And we can't be frightened, Dan, of the consequences because they are coming after us. And if we cower now and we don't get outside of our house and outside of our comfort zone, whatever our comfort zone is in this fight, then they're going to win. And when they win, it's over. It's over for all of the American experiment, as they call it, freedom, liberty, the Bill of Rights, it's over. And they are attacking right now the First Amendment with a vengeance like I've never seen uh, assaulted before in my life. And that's just only one attack that they're making right now because we could we could go down the entire bill of rights now and, and point to a thousand examples of the assault uh, on virtually every one of those so when i say what can we do that's what we have to do we have to get loud we have to get louder than they are and we have to let them know that we're not going to take it anymore you can begin and you need to begin by opening a relationship with your local congresswoman or congressman 
your district in which you live, you've got a representative there. It's somebody that has to pay attention to what the people in his or her district feel and say and need. And unless you communicate with them, and I'm honestly, I'm telling you, my congressman, Mike Johnson, we have conversations regularly, and we don't agree on everything. And I'm very um, polite, but I'm very forceful when I speak to him about something that is going on in what he's doing that I disagree with. And I explain it. I don't just throw rocks. Let them know what you think, but let them know why you think it. And be respectful to this point. They're really busy, and there are a lot of yous and me's, far more yous and me's than there are of them. My suggestion is, as you just heard Steve say, let them know on their social media, their Twitter, their Facebook, wherever they are regularly, and it's typically not them. It's their staffers that are doing it. But every one of those staffers are passing along the social media information from those web pages these social media sites that these representatives have. And when something happens that's out of line or you question or you want clarity, more information, or you want to talk to them about something they're doing that you feel is wrong, let them know. Even if it's just in writing, you can get an email address for everybody in Congress. You can go to their Uh, different branches. You can go to the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate. You can go on those sites and get the email addresses and the office telephone numbers for every one of those people. Let them hear from you. I know it can be... And sign up for their newsletter. Absolutely. Sign up for your congressman's newsletter so that you know, because just for instance, they were just off for the last two weeks and they were all at home in their home districts and they were doing meetings and they were doing town halls and they were showing up at various events. You need to be there with them because if they, as you said, you don't always agree with Representative Mike Johnson, your congressman, but if he's hearing your side of the story or your version of what you want to see happen, how he needs to vote on a 10 to one basis. Oh, it's going to make an impact. It absolutely will. And I'll tell you this. I know factually someone on his staff listens to every TNN live show. They may record it or pull it down (laughs) later as a podcast, which uh, we're on 37 podcast sites now. So it's out there minutes after every show is finished. Places like uh, Apple Podcast, even Google Podcasts, Facebook still carries our podcast. Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, every one of them you can think of, they grab it and you can get TNN Live there. Somebody on their staff, mm-hmm. on his staff especially, is listening to it because none of these people want to be blindsided by something that's happening on their watch and them not know about it. The big thing was, um, for me, the biggest thing and I forget the question, but the mayor of Miami that is running for president, he was asked yeah. a question last week. And it was a very obvious question that everybody knew the answer to. He had no clue. And don't yeah. think for a second when when that interview ended that he didn't find somebody on his staff and blister them really good because they hadn't relayed that to that person um, yeah, that's the way they run. It's, it is a syndicate. 
uh, I mean, a congressional office. <laughs> it is full of people yeah. that are there for one purpose, one purpose only, and that's to push their guy or their girl out in the forefront and make them look like the best that could possibly be to fill that office that they're filling. Steve, well, you know, Dan, go ahead, as, go ahead. As, a, well, as, as a result of what we're talking about, I should take this one step further. And, and I want to comment on what you just said. He was on his heels because he didn't know what he did. He had no clue. The, the reality is you said something very accurately. These guys are incredibly busy. I mean, once they're back in DC, let's just be honest. They are having every leg, finger, toe pulled on by, you know, so many different uh, issues, so many different directions, so many different people that are needing, wanting, demanding their attention. They can't possibly get to everything and they can't possibly know everything that's going on that's important to every one of their constituents. It's just not possible. And when I met with Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson and I got 10 minutes with each of them individually, I had them back on their heels with stories they had no clue about. And I've pressed and I've pressed and I've pressed since then, but since then I've gotten through and now I'm dealing directly with and talking to every single day, the chief investigator of the weaponization committee, the new house select committee. And that is something that they, they didn't want to deal with my issue at all. But now I'm talking to them every day because I stayed in their face and made it important to them. Really what happened is I made them aware of something they just didn't know about. Well, that's your job and that's my job. People that are listening in today, let your voice be heard. Let them know. And not just them. In your circle of influence, I mean, Steve and I know a lot of the same people, but I know a whole massive group of people that in my circle, doesn't intersect with Steve's and vice versa. In your circle of influence, we have a fiduciary responsibility to talk to people about the important things that are, if, if they're important to you in most cases, especially when we talk about government things and social things and financial things, everybody in your circle of influence is involved in pretty much the same things. Why not, when we have conversations, instead of keeping it up at the level of, hey, man, how you doing? You doing okay? You done anything fancy lately? You doing something different? How's mom and them? Instead of doing just that, sit down with somebody and have a flipping conversation where you get past the niceties and you begin to say, hey, look, what do you think about this? Ask them a question. We don't do that anymore. We're stuck on our iPhones or Google phones. We're answering emails. We're looking at our Facebook page or our Twitter. We're doing all of those kinds of things and we get lost in ourselves and we've lost or we're very close to losing our nation because we the people are not holding the people that are accountable, making those people accountable, keeping them accountable to do what they say all the time they are, public servants. That means they're supposed to be serving you and me, not the other way around. Steve-O, any... Going back, 
go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to. I was going to say, going back to your original question, what can we do? Let me tell you the one thing, and tell your entire audience the one thing we cannot do, and the one thing that will not work. We are not going to vote our way out of this. No, trust me when I tell you that. No. We are not going to vote our way out of this. You cannot sit back and every two years do your um, uh, your duty to God and country and go down to the ballot box and, and vote and then go back home and become a couch potato again for the, the rest of that uh, until the next two-year election cycle. It's not going to happen. You have to get engaged and you have to do it aggressively and, as I said, loudly, and it's got to be frequently. I challenge everybody listening now, if you have not already seen it, you need to jump out there, get your tickets, and see Sound of Freedom. You've got to do it. And then I will demand if you go to see it, when you go to see it, you talk to people around you. And I'm not going to tell you what to say. You say what is in your heart and your mind after you watch the movie, but you've got to talk to people. You've got to interact with those around us. If you're a Christian, there you don't have a choice. We have to do that. We're Christians. We have to interact with people. We're caretakers of people that are in our families, our extended circle, the people that we interact with. We're responsible to each other. And we need to draw people into those circles who are kind of out on the edges and we don't know anything about them, nor are they us, other than what we see or hear. When we see them at the, uh, the Circle K or at the Kroger or Brookshire's grocery store or even at church, you see them and wave. Get involved. Be part of it. You'll be shocked how many people, if you just make a little effort, will respond positively. I met, a, I met a man at church last Sunday, big African-American guy and his wife, first-timers, I think. We go to a big church. And I just felt like I should go introduce myself. So I walked back there, introduced myself to him, come to find out, find out his wife is uh, uh, on the Shreveport Police Force. And they have three children. They were just checking out the church they just moved from some other part of town there. And I told him, I said, look, I'd like to have a cup of coffee with you. Maybe just sit down and get to know you a little bit. And uh, he didn't have his phone with him or anything. And he said, can I find out who you are here at the church? And I said, well, I'm not on staff, but you can call the church here. I've been at that church most of my life. And I said, if you just call them and say, hey, Dan told me to call the church, they'll give you my number. And I got a call this morning, and guess who from? <laughs> I just opened a door for a conversation. We never know. We make impacts on people that we have no idea who they are. We don't know what they need or what they're involved in. You just never know. We got a little long-winded this morning, buddy. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. Longer. <laughs> yeah. It's your fault. Hey, listen, before I let you go, any more word on our little January 6th thing yet that you can talk to us about or not? If we can't, I understand. Yeah, we're, we're still in negotiation right now at this point of where, when, and how we're going to release 
the big story. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> circling around a bunch of smaller stories as well. And it seems like that I'm becoming the poster boy uh, for asking the January 6th questions that others want. For instance, yesterday, the New York Times put out another Ray Epps defense piece in which they revealed that uh, Fox News is now probably going to be sued for defamation by Ray Epps. And, uh, and of course, I immediately went to the airwaves, as I said before, don't be silent. And I said, okay. And I called out the, the, the writer of the article and I called out the FBI and I called out the Department of Justice. I tagged every one of them and I said, <laughs> okay, if you're, going to, if you're going to do this, I said, you need to answer the single most important question that has not been answered and nobody will answer it. And, and, and Alan Fuhrer, the writer for the Times, um, the Department of Justice and the FBI will not answer this question is if as Ray Epps testified that he was only in D.C. with his son and his son's friends that day, who were the eight men that we have now seen on camera that escorted him out of the crowd in military stack formation, four in front, four behind, and escorted him away from the Capitol? If he was only there with two other people, who were those eight men? That's just an inconvenient question. And, you know, and that's, just a, that's just one of many of these inconvenient questions that I continue to throw out there. But the, the reality is, is that we are, uh, we've pretty well narrowed it down to two different media um, uh, platforms now that we're talking to about which one is going to help produce and release this story. Cause it's going to be a media event. It's not going to be just me writing an article about it. It's, it's it includes the video that I've seen as, uh, as most of your um, uh, listenership here knows that I have been in the, uh, the O'Neill building there at the Capitol, and I've been pouring over that 41,000 hours worth of uh, January 6th video that we always hear everything about. And I am probably going to be back in there maybe even as soon as this week again, because I need about one more day to uh, fill in the blanks, tighten up all the loose ends on this particular story. And then once that is done, we'll be delivering, hand-delivering that um that story to one of these uh, larger media platforms to help me produce the, the video special because that's what it's going to be. Will I need to uh, bring my own popcorn when uh, this thing is released? Yeah, and probably some uh, <laughs> body some some bodyguards to circle my house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, friends, Steve Baker, we call him our own investigative journalist, originally from Shrevesville, Shreveport, Louisiana, but he is up on the East Coast. Many of you don't know it, but he is a very accomplished musician, has his own band professionally, and uh, he has to do that because that's the way he gets paid for what his first passion is, which is no longer music. <laughs> that is a passion. <laughs> But what we're talking about today is his number one thing. And as I know, it doesn't pay well. <laughs> so anyway, Steve, uh, thank you for being part of our family. And you just keep us posted. Yeah. And uh, anytime, let me let me just tell you this. Anytime you need to get information into the hands of our people here at TNN Live or Truth News Network, yeah, just let us know. I mean, I consider what we do part of what you're doing and i'm pretty sure you do the same about us we're family yeah, absolutely and we're going to get to the end absolutely, of absolutely dan we're going to do it together thank you buddy right, thank you dan have a good week
Steve Baker, what a man. Well, we spent a little longer time than we were planning on it, but those were important issues for all of us to hear. And I want you to think about those. I've got, we've got 17 minutes left in the show today. I've got some things I need to talk to you about. Don't go anywhere. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Hello. Hello. (laughs) What happened to the music out? It just disappeared. Oh, well, we're back here. A couple of things I want to tell you about. California lawmakers, they today are considering a bill. Listen to this. If this bill goes through the assembly, California assembly, both houses, and it gets signed by Gavin Newsom, it would require judges in California to consider a person's race when deciding how long that person, if found guilty, should be forced to serve in prison. The bill was introduced in February by Democrat Assemblymember Reggie Jones-Sawyer. was approved by the State Assembly in May. It's currently being debated in the Senate. Assembly Bill 852 would add a section to the California Penal Code that requires courts, when they have the power to decide a prison sentence, to take into account how racial minorities have been affected differently than others in order to rectify racial bias. Here's what they said. It's the intent of the legislature to rectify the racial bias that has historically permeated our criminal justice system as documented by the California Task Force to study and develop reparation proposals for African Americans. This is a uh, proposal in the section of this bill. Whenever the court has discretion to determine the appropriate sentence according to relevant statutes and the sentencing rules of the Judicial Council, the court presiding over a criminal matter shall consider the disparate impact on historically disenfranchised and system impacted populations. It's called no longer equality. It's called equity. That's what they're talking about. What 
is the difference between the two? If you're a regular here, you know. Equality is something that no human being can touch. It exists in a vacuum by itself. It means you get the same thing, I get the same thing in the way of opportunity from our government and every part of our government. Equal justice under the law. That's what it means. Equity, on the other hand, it means it's based upon somebody's personal opinion. Oh, that's not equal. That's not fair. You made more money than that person last year. And they worked just as long as you did. It's not fair. We've got to tip the scale somehow to make it equitable. And they're going to do this based on race in California? I can just see the moving vans, more moving vans pulling up to people's homes, people headed south to Texas or Tennessee or Florida to get away from that kind of governing. That, my friends, is not equal justice. And if this passes, if it does, and I think it probably will, it's going to, as bad as it is right now in California, especially things in the law, it's going to make it so bad, crime is going to further tear California to pieces. And these leftists, these elitists that are better than everybody else because they know more than you or I do, and therefore they're enlightened, they're going to be pushed into a corner and at that point will have no options to lead California out of it because they've let it get out of hand. And being the most populated state we have, it could just be the first domino to fall. And that, my friends, is a scary, scary thing to consider. There's a lot coming out now about, personally, our president, President Biden. And we all see the results of his cognitive decline. We see it play out every day. I was embarrassed for him and embarrassed for the American people yesterday as I happened to look in and watch his meeting with now King Charles, used to be Prince Charles, uh, over in England. It was embarrassing because he broke all kinds of normalcy, things that are allowed, things that aren't allowed. And he just looked like a befuddled old man walking around over there in La La Land, and he's the leader of the free world. I think that title, if he ever held it, if he had it legitimately or otherwise, it's long gone. He is not the leader of the free world. Another thing that proves that to me is Kim Jong-un. You hadn't heard that name here in a while, have you? He's the leader. I don't know what his title is. King, president, dictator, whatever, of North Korea. The little round man, and I understand he's gotten much rounder. He's eating himself into oblivion. But he announced yesterday he's going to start shooting down American planes. Bam, just like that. Hey, hey, y'all want some ice cream? Man, I can't wait to get that ice cream. I've got some apple pie after that. Oh, by the way, I'm going to start shooting down American planes. You think he would have ever said that in a Trump presidency? A Bush 43 presidency? Even an Obama presidency? 
Our president has lost his way. We all know that. But something is showing up that is pretty uncomfortable about Joe Biden. And what could that be? Joe Biden is an angry, angry man. So says Axios in its latest drop, um, which is entitled Biden's Private Fury. In public, President Biden likes to whisper to make a point. In private, he's prone to yelling, get off my lawn, and more. Behind closed doors, Biden has such a quick trigger temper, reports Axios, that some aides try to avoid meeting alone with him. Some take a colleague, almost as a shield, against a solo blast. The president's admonitions include, God damn it, how the F don't you know this? Don't effing BS me. This is the Megyn Kelly cleaned up version of Joe Biden's language. I would never say these words, as everyone knows. And get the F out of here, according to both current and former Biden aides who have witnessed and been on the receiving end of such outbursts. The private eruptions paint a more complicated picture of Biden (laughs) than his carefully cultivated image as a kindly uncle. Well, not for most of us. (laughs) They go on to say, Dave, no one is safe and give specific examples about what he does, including try to bully young staff where he just keeps trying to exhaust their knowledge until he stumps the chump to make them squirm and feel uncomfortable. Uh, I could go on, but this, it's an interesting look at, you know, Uncle Joe. Yeah, I mean, look, that's been a very carefully curated image for Joe Biden. We know that this is the guy who would very intentionally swim naked in front of female, you know, Social Security or Social Security um, uh, Secret Service agents. Um, We we have some knowledge uh, of his temper uh, from some of the things that that we've seen on the laptop and and other places. But generally speaking, I I do sometimes get the sense that we go a little overboard with the, with the Joe Biden's lost it. He doesn't know what he's doing. I, I, I wonder sometimes if, if that's all you remember the, the mobster um, who would walk around in a bathrobe and pretend like he didn't know where he was. Wasn't Um, it John Gotti? No, it wasn't John Gotti. Wasn't John Gotti. I can't, can't believe I can't remember. um, I'll come up. My my crack team will look it up. I can't remember his last name, but yeah, I mean, look, Biden knows about the sketchy things that that Hunter's done. Right? We, we all know that um, there is a different Joe Biden than the one that we see on TV. And I think that the American people are starting to see it. Now, what's curious about the fact that we're starting to see this from more liberal or mainstream outlets uh, is the possibility that he's being thrown under the bus a little bit, that there are real mm. concerns that he's going to be a problem in the general election. And maybe now is the time that he needs to get a little bit kneecapped uh, to, to get somebody like a Gavin Newsom uh, sniffing around the race. The He is having troubles on that front, Stu. I mean, he's over there meeting with King Charles today in the UK. And uh, take a look at this video where Ch- King Charles is like having trouble getting the president of the United States to move. Here they are together. King Charles is there. He's like, over here. Oh, over here, sir. Here. This way. Come on. It's not time to chit-chat with the guard. Here we go. That's it. You got it. (laughs) And Biden's gait is so unsteady. I mean, he's really telling us he's going to do six more years of this, Stu, and you take one look at him and you think, "Uh, I got questions. I have many, many questions. And it's funny because you, the way that, that Trump was sold to everyone, 
uh, informed why Biden was the nominee and why he became president. We were told that this was a return to normalcy. And everything about this has been a lie. It's not a return to normalcy. It has been crazier and crazier and more erratic than anything we've ever seen before. We were told this is a guy of the utmost competence who had who was going to be to make every move uh, the, the right way in foreign affairs, for example. And we see Afghanistan, what's gone on with Ukraine and so many other things. Uh, we were told this guy was the ultimate family man, right? And here's a guy who won't even acknowledge his seventh grandchild, won't even acknowledge this poor little four-year-old girl exists. She had no input into what Hunter Biden's activities were. You know, this is this is a we were told this guy was a good guy. And I think that's kind of fundamentally where many people in the middle of the 2020 election that didn't have partisan ideology fell. They saw Donald Trump. They didn't like the things that he said, or they believed some of the hype on some of the allegations against him or whatever it was. They didn't like him. And they said, you know what? I'll go with this normal family man who will at least be competent and won't be yelling at people. And he won't be tweeting so much. Well, I mean, you've cut the tweets down by a significant percentage, and I don't know that that was worth it because everything else you were promised with Joe Biden, you've received the opposite. He's just a mean old man. That's all there is to it, name-calling. And he's got that in his history in, uh, even as far back as the Senate. He was just a tough guy. And when I say tough, I just mean he wasn't considerate of what other people felt. I hate to even tell you this, but a judge appointed by Bill Clinton has blocked a Wisconsin school district from enforcing a policy that keeps boys from using the girls' bathroom. U.S. District Judge Lynn Adelman granted a restraining order against Muckwanaga Area School District, blocking the district from implementing a policy adopted last month that requires students to use bathrooms and locker rooms on the basis of biological sex rather than their gender identity. Oh my gosh, what a horrible thing to do. Who in their right mind would respect a biological boy to go to the bathroom in a boy's bathroom and a biological girl to go to the bathroom in a biological girl's bathroom? And the two are not supposed to get crossed up. We heard about what happened over in Virginia, remember? Two different girls. Two different girls were raped in bathrooms by a boy that was self-identifying as a girl wearing a dress. And he went in the bathroom that he told everybody was his sexual identity place to go to the bathroom. And he raped girls in the bathroom. This is what we live in today, folks. We've got to take control of our nation. We've got to take it back. It's a wrap on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Steve Baker, as always, you're the best. Thank you for being part of this family here at TNN Live. You guys have a great day. Back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Central. Dot, dot. I've been living for the weekend, but no, not anymore. 
This here comes out from your feeling The fraud is famous for Yeah, I'm looking for some action And it's out there somewhere You can feel the electricity All in the evening air And it may just be more of the same But sometimes you wanna go Where everyone knows your name So I guess I'll have to wait and see I'm just gonna let something brand new happen to me And it's alright It's alright It's alright It's alright It's alright Bright lights in the big city Belongs to us tonight I've got the magic in me Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. Now everybody knows I've got the magic in me. When I hit the flow, the girls come snapping at me. Now everybody wants some presto magic. Stretch that out the temple, blow your mind. Pick a verse. I'll hypnotize you with every line I'll need a volunteer, how about you? With the eyes, come on down to the front And sit right here and don't be shy So come on, come on, let's see the show tonight Prepare to be astounded No ghost or poltergeist You know I'm no Pinocchio, I never told a lie They call me Mr. Magic, man I'm full on cloud nine I've got the magic in me I got the magic, baby. Every time I touch that track 